0: Love, talk radio hello friends thank you so much for joining us on another episode of theology matters with the Palooz. i am one half of your co-hosting team on um, melissa Paloo, and um, again we're very happy to have you with us for those who are listening live this is a late night broadcast that we normally don't do as um but we um had uh, just some scheduling conflicts and things of that nature and so here we are um, 11 o'clock pm on the east coast um, but uh, alive and uh, awake and ready to discuss and jump into some um, theological and apologetic discussion so we're just really happy to have you join us um wherever you are and whenever you're listening I always support uh, appreciate your support um, of devin um, devin and my ministry with um, ratio Christie um, and of our work on the college campus and and the community, um, doing apologetics outreach and um, evangelism training and these sort of things. So um, you can always contact us if you uh, need any of our resources or if you um, just need us for anything, any any sort of support or outreach um, or just information in general. We're always um, available um, at melissapolu at ratiochristi.org. So we are again um, thanking you again for joining us, and we have a great show for you tonight um I think as as I shared before this summer with our shows, what we're trying to do is deal a little more with topics that are um, relevant to um, a lot of the discussions that we're hearing these days and um, not that not the discussions on God's existence or um, the problem of evil and that these things are not relevant discussions. Um, I, don't, I don't want to ever um, uh, make that, um, that distinction. But, um, you know, as we're uh, in culture and we're engaging with people, there are a lot of uh, new nuances and, um, and just um, criticisms of Christianity that oftentimes are not addressed and that even in the apologetics world um, we're not as familiar with. Um, last week we um, actually dealt with the topic of critical theory and um, how to how to um, approach that um, when we're talking on issues of race class and gender from a biblical worldview perspective So if you did not get a chance to listen to that recording last week with dr. Neil Shinby definitely go into our archives and check that out because um, it was definitely informative and um, it was uh, eye-opening and just gave us some, some biblical um, perspectives on how to discuss these issues of race, class, and gender. So um, definitely check that out. Tonight we're going to actually be dealing with the topic of uh, feminism and particularly feminist criticism of the Bible. And I have a very special guest who has spent a lot of time um, studying this topic and speaking on this topic, um, both here in the United States and abroad, and um, she is a, a wonderful friend of, of Devin's and mine that we've known for quite some time and um, as we both studied at the same time at Southern Evangelical Seminary, and I'll have, um, have Diana share more about Southern Evangelical Seminary, um, where she actually um, works, but also graduated. Um, with master's degrees in both apologetics and philosophy and um, she is a native of toronto canada and um, you are going to be very blessed by um what she has to share with you tonight and um where it's i'm definitely excited that she decided to stay up late night with me here on the east coast <laughs> to um to be on the broadcast with me so diane are you there with us?
1: i am yep i'm here melissa
0: Okay, great, great. So thankful for you, as always, my friend. Um, so I explained to everyone, you know, as, as you heard that you're from Toronto and graduate of Southern Evangelical Seminary. Um, where you also live um, and um, head the admissions if, I that correct, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, director of admissions at SES. You're you're perfectly right. Okay. Okay, great. So, okay, before we jump to the topic, tell us about Southern Evangelical Seminary. Deb and I talk a lot about the seminary because it has meant um, it means so much to us personally, um, but also I mean just everything that we've learned. <laughs> most of what we've learned has come through those those lives at the at the seminary there. Um, what is what makes Southern Evangelical Seminary um, a place that people should consider? Um, as they are um, seeking out theological, um, biblical studies, apologetics um, uh, studies? Sure.
1: Um, Well, I think what I would principally want to say is is that if someone wants to learn uh, how to ground their apologetics in a good philosophical foundation, then Southern Evangelical Seminary is the place to be. I like to say that, um, a good philosophy leads to a good theology, and a good theology leads mm-hmm. to how you defend the faith, which is what apologetics is. Uh, and so a lot of mm-hmm. the questions, and in my experience, a lot of the questions that people have uh, today, apologetic questions um, primarily, but perhaps some theological questions to some extent, a lot of them are are grounded and philosophical prior issues and prior questions that need to be resolved first before the apologetic mm-hmm. answer will make sense. So if someone wants to get mm-hmm. all three of those three things wrapped up into one comprehensive um system, mm-hmm. uh, philosophy, theology and apologetics and Southern Evangelical Seminary is definitely the place to be. And I say that not just because I work there, but because I've I've gotten those two degrees um, there and I've mm-hmm. been through the classes and I, I've seen the difference that that um that it makes where it's to be made.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we spent a lot of lot of nights in, in that uh, banging out those classes together for sure. Um, so mm-hmm. I can attest that you that you experienced it as well as we did. Um, and it must you know, give me a lot to you for you to um, actually be there and to um, try to, to try to recruit students. Um there, and also um through the um one of the things that I think makes us definitely unique is that we do have the team ministry, which is our speaking and outreach ministry evangelism ministry um and there are so many opportunities um to speak and to share your what you're learning in the classroom and to put it on uh put your basically put your boots on the ground and to go out and train the church and to train um you know, students and, and, you know, Mm -hmm. universities. And and, um, I know you've had the opportunity with TEAM to travel internationally um, on a number of of occasions and to speak and to equip um, the body of Christ across the world and um, share a little bit about TEAM and just why it's important. I know for Devin and I, we would not have – we wouldn't be as confident as we are in doing what we do without having those experiences with the TEAM ministry, um, I know headed by um, Adam Tucker there at at Southern Evangelical. Sure. Uh,
1: Yeah, sure. So TEAM stands for Truth Evangelism and Apologetics Mission, and it is uh, the mission arm, if you will, of Southern Evangelical Mm -hmm. Seminary. So for SES, what mission looks like is having conversations with people um, and being Mm -hmm. able to answer the questions uh, that 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 they might have knowing that apologetics is not the thing that that saves people, apologetics is not mm-hmm. as salvific in that sense, but it is the sort of thing that answers the questions that people have so that they can make uh, that they can make a decision for or against Jesus Christ uh, ultimately. So uh, mm-hmm. truth, evangelism, and apologetics mission is the mission arm of the school. And so what we do as a school is we go to wherever the needs are. If there's a youth conference where they're looking for speakers mm-hmm. to come in, then then team will come in. If there's a women's conference, then uh, the team will come mm-hmm. in and supply speakers. Um, if there's just a, a church conference, we, sometimes we find ourselves on university campuses. Sometimes it can be mm-hmm. as intimate as, Rasha Christie uh, group setting where mm-hmm. you're really getting to interact with uh, students on campus one-on-one. So that's, that's mm-hmm. the mission zone. That's the practicality of what we do because apologetics is not just about learning all of these things in the classroom, but after you learn these things in the classroom, you have to get out there and you have to be able to interact with people and relate with people and uh, fellowship with people. And part of that is, is, is having conversations, obviously, where sometimes these issues come up.
0: Amen. And, you know, it's interesting because we, um, Devin and I were just having a conversation with someone about missions and what missions um, is and, and what it looks like and what the church um, traditionally, um, or how the church has traditionally um, viewed missions. And um, going across, the, you know, whether it's locally or abroad, um, and equipping the church um, is missions and equipping pastors and equipping leaders and those things um, because there's going to be exponential impact wherever they are in their sphere of influence um, right. to um, to equip those around them and to answer the questions that are that are around them and um, in their culture that is that's relevant and so um, I think that um, apologetics ministry is oftentimes not viewed as missional but it it absolutely is because um, it Get, it empowers um people mm-hmm. to do evangelism and it Absolutely. you know and it it directly does answer questions where people are and can open the door for them to see Jesus Christ for who he is as they get the answers to those questions. So team is, is very important to us. Um edu is a website and you can find the Team Ministry um link at the website um, if you have a need um wherever you are um for speakers to come in um, team is definitely where you um, want to start your search um, and then one last thing about the seminary as well before we jump to our topic Diana is I wanted to discuss the National Conference on Christian Apologetics which takes place every year um, in Charlotte um, that is put on by SES and um, this year um, it sounds like we have some very special guests who are going to be with us this year about that so that our listeners can have an opportunity to uh, be a part of that, even.
1: Yes. So this year, the national conference is going to be October the 12th and the 13th, and it's happening uh, at Calvary Church, uh, Calvary Church here in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, this is our mm-hmm. 25th uh, anniversary year, and so we are going to have mm-hmm. um, some really special presentations. Uh, Robbie Zacharias will be with us this year and that's going to be Mm -hmm. an absolute treat Um, Dr. Uh, Geisler obviously will be there Dr. Richard Land will be Mm -hmm. there Uh, Josh McDowell, Chip Ingram just a a host of speakers uh, will be there in Mm -hmm. addition to that we're going to be having a, a panel discussion this year on is the Age of the Earth a Matter of the Authority? That's going to be a great panel discussion. Um, there's a Spanish yeah. track this year as well for those individuals mm-hmm. um, uh, who, who speak Spanish. And so it's just going to be a great event. Again, ses.edu uh, is where one can go to find additional information. And there is a link on the homepage to the mm-hmm. NCCA National Conference on Christian Apologetics.
0: Wonderful. Yeah, we we do not miss it any year. And um, the uh, and, you know, in addition to just those those main speakers, there's so many breakout sessions that um, mm-hmm. one can yeah. can visit and and listen and learn from those who are authorities on different topics from around the country. And um, I just I love some of the just the specific how specific some of those topics have become in terms of. Um, different interests that people may have or different needs that they may have in their community to minister to those yeah. or questions that people are yeah. asking that are relevant in their particular um, you know world and, and life and so there um, it's just it's a great two days of, of learning and growing and connecting um, I love just making the connections with others um, more than anything um, mm-hmm. so definitely um check out SCS edu and be at that conference because, um, again, Robbie Zacharias, You know, if nothing else, so um, <laughs> yeah, you you will, you will not not um, be disappointed. So, with that being said, let's um, go ahead and jump in, Danianna. And um, you um, you have uh, been uh, one who's been speaking quite a bit in, on this topic of feminism, feminist uh, feminism, and feminist theology, and um, I think we obviously um, this is a huge topic in our culture, as we hear things in media like the war on women and um, oppression about you know oppression of women and the gender wage gap and things like that. But when we're talking about Christianity in general, um, there is this attack and there is this these accusations um, alleged against the Bible um, that seem credible and that um, many have have bought into and even. Those within the Christian community have bought into. Um, I would say even some conservative Christian um, women um, have bought into about um, the nature of um, uh, or Christianity, how the view of women. Um, so let's. Um, I guess we we can start this off a little a little broadly. Um, let's talk about um, what what feminism is, and um, because I think people may have different. You um, know, definitions of what that what that might look like.
1: Sure. So that's a that's an interesting question, <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, <laughs> as most interesting questions go, it just kind of depends on depends on how you define uh, the word. Um, very mm-hmm. generally, if one is going to uh, define feminism, very generally, one would say something like it was a social movement. Uh, that sought to secure equal rights for men and women based on the notion mm-hmm. that men and women were of equal value. That's a very general idea of mm-hmm. feminism, and I don't think that it's one that many of us would be opposed to. Um, most mm-hmm. of us would very well acknowledge that um, there needed to be a social uh, movement or as, at least a social recognition um that was ready to acknowledge certain ills that were happening in society mm-hmm. and so as most social movements go uh, because of that recognition there was a group of people that formed a movement and very largely speaking it is what it is today that's very generally what feminism started at but the definition has Shifted over the years to now, where uh, feminism has become a systemic, um, a systemic um, movement, where it sees. The ruling class, i.e., the patriarchy, i.e., male-dominated systems, as the vehicles of mm-hmm. oppression uh, towards women, and um, under that construction, the oppressor needs to be overthrown, i.e., male domination, male rule, rule needs to be overthrown. Um, now, it's mm-hmm. that more sociological view of feminism. That's that's the view that uh I tend to discuss a little bit more I have no issues with the general understanding of mm-hmm. of uh, feminism and this idea that men and women are equal in fact we got that right. notion from the biblical text so it's not something that um, mm-hmm. I'm opposed to but this idea this systemic idea and this um, this social structure patriarchy oppression and all of those things that are related to it that's something that we need to be able to to speak about number one we have to find out if it's true mm-hmm. but number two we- Probably mm-hmm. should figure out the ways in which to um, address it from a rational perspective and um, mm-hmm. more fundamentally from
0: a Christian perspective. Right, absolutely. Yeah, I think, like you said, it's sometimes defining these terms is <laughs> um, is you know that's where we start a lot of times with you know just having conversations and when we're doing just apologetics, is just defining terms and you know feminism has so many. Um, different connotations and I think like you said with, um, most of us wouldn't disagree um, that there needed to be some sort of, uh, of movement to recognize women as equal um, citizens um, of equal value in this society but what has become of that which evolved um, is, is not maybe what we would most most people are most or that winds up mostly with the Christian worldview and so um, those distinctions definitely need to be made. Um, let, let's talk about. I guess maybe let's go back and talk about. Did um, you did mention about oppression and patriarchy and these sort of things? Um, when we're talking about oppression and women, um, does Christianity oppress women? How do we start? How do we even start those conversations? Would you say? <laughs> um, yeah. Fundamentally. <laughs>
1: Yeah. How does one start the conversation fundamentally? Mm
0: -hmm. Well, um,
1: I think I would want to start here. I would want to start it by saying, and I alluded to this previously, this idea Mm -hmm. that men and women are of equal value and equal worth. It wasn't, Mm -hmm. it wasn't, you know, it wasn't invented by uh, the first wave of feminists in the uh, in the 19th century. That's actually a biblical idea. We get that from Genesis mm-hmm. one, where God um, made man and female, both of them in the image of God, and both of them, um, he told to uh, rule um, rule creation, essentially, mm-hmm. um, paraphrasing it. So this idea of equality, it's not a new idea. It's just Somehow in some way we've gotten away from that We've gotten away from that So uh, in some senses we need to return back to the model That we were given uh, in the very Mm -hmm. beginning I think if we were to trace um, the emergence Of of this other definition of feminism uh, That we want to talk about If we were to trace that We would trace it to uh, individuals in the 19th And even in the 20th century who, uh, because of the ways that women were treated, identified the vehicle of that oppression in the biblical text and identified it in religion and identified it in male, um, uh, male systems, the religious institution, mm-hmm. if you will. And so because they identified opp- oppression uh, in that specific vehicle just by default, Uh, this idea that Christianity is oppressive to women just became Mm -hmm. second nature, if you will. So the question is whether um, the vehicle that they have identified is actually a vehicle or not. Um, It could very Mm -hmm. well be the case that it's not a vehicle, but people have used it for their own ends and purposes and perverted the scripture. That could be a viable possibility. And I think that that's actually Mm -hmm. what happened, but it's a discussion worth having.
0: Mhm, mhm, yeah, and I know that in your talks um on this you talk about um just with you know with theism with you know this belief in in one person god and versus um you know maybe dogmatic evolution that um with these um if, if even when we're talking about this topic fundamentally um that it, it how does it how does how does this discussion make sense um, outside of the, the theistic worldview or does it even make sense this this whole discussion or debate even
1: mhm yeah see so this is interesting because um what we have to acknowledge is that oppression happens right it, not just mm-hmm. sexual oppression racial opp- racial oppression happens political oppression happens. Um, Mm -hmm. There are economic oppressions that happen. Oppression Mm -hmm. happens. It's been happening since from the very beginning. So Mm
0: -hmm. it's
1: not necessarily the case that there needed to be a religion to do that. It seems to be the case that you just have to be human to be religious because there Mm -hmm. have been Um, there have been anti-religious people who have been oppressive as well. So Mm -hmm. there's something about humanity Mm -hmm. that doesn't, and that necessarily can't necessarily. Mm -hmm. Every every oppression happens. It's in the world. So then the question is, Mm -hmm. how are we going to look at the oppression? Um, And very generally speaking, um, either God exists or he doesn't doesn't i mean there's theism Mm -hmm. and there's darwinian evolution if you will obviously there are different ways of seeing uh the world but fundamentally it comes down to does god exist or he doesn't exist so under theism Mm -hmm. we have this idea that man is not acting in the ways that god created him to act we have this category in theism called sin where people mm-hmm. are detrimentally using other people for their own advantages. So sin can be racial, it can be economic, it can be political, and it can be sexual. We have a category called sin in theism where we mm-hmm. can look out into the world and say that there is something happening that shouldn't be happening. You can only do mm-hmm. that if you have something, if, you, if you're able to have a standard by which to judge things, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. Now. The other mm-hmm. arm of that is Darwinian evolution, that there is no God, that everything that is happening is happening because uh, the strongest survive, because the survival of the fittest. That's just the way that the world works, which, okay, mm-hmm. that, that's a fine way to think about things, but then you have to ask, in that sort of system where things are mm-hmm. just what they are, then why... Why is oppression a problem? Because oppression should mm-hmm. just happen in a in a system. In a Darwinistic uh, evolutionary system, there have to be strong and there have to be weak. That's how the system is set up.
0: Right. There
1: has to be mm-hmm. the sort of thing where those who are stronger can outlast the weak and in so doing Mm -hmm. get to pass on their genetic information. Biologically, that's true, but from a social evolutionist perspective, uh, the same thing holds true in the social world. Those who get to the top of the social ladder under this paradigm, they get there because they're stronger than the weak. Under that Mm -hmm. paradigm, the weak have no right to complain because they should have expected it. So with those two things pitted one against the other, What I'm Mm -hmm. saying is that in theism, I have this category where I can look out into the world, see something that's happening, call it wrong, and say that those things should be addressed. Under the other Mm -hmm. view, there is no basis to call something wrong because whatever happens just happens. Those who have been weeded out of the genetic pool, those who have been weeded out of the social pool have been weeded out because they didn't have what it took to get to the top. Mm. Um, and mm-hmm. so in those sorts of discussions, it was just it's just very interesting to have these discussions with people who you know are not theists but who very mm-hmm. well think that there's something happening that shouldn't be happening. Uh, I think that they mm-hmm. should acknowledge that, that their, their reason and their rational nature should make them acknowledge that they just don't have the, the theoretical underpinning to to ground that idea, which is so very clear to them.
0: Mm. So very true. Yeah, so um, having this category of sin is, really um, is foundational to having this discussion, um, and, and a it's
1: starting place. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I, of course, sin it's a theological term, but, um, mm-hmm. if you know, if someone has a problem with sin, they could call it, um, evil or they could call it, um, yeah. social, you know, you can you can use any mm-hmm. label that you want to have, but at the end of mm-hmm. the day. It's not lost on anyone with a well-functioning um, intellect. It's not lost on anyone. Uh, that mm-hmm. there's things that are happening in the world that shouldn't be happening and that there's something about mm-hmm. humanity that sees it as um, – there's something about humanity that, that makes it um, possible – to do the sorts of things mm-hmm. that we don't want done to us. So the question mm-hmm. is, what's going on in humanity? Um, and I would just very uh, I would just very generally say that there's something broken about humanity and what Christianity is going to refer to mm-hmm. as original sin, and we're going to call that the depraved nature. Whether someone agrees with those categories mm-hmm. or not or with those labels or not, is a side issue,
0: mm-hmm. but it's
1: not lost on any one of us. If there are things going on,
0: um, that shouldn't be going on, right? And this, you know, in a lot of my conversations on on the university campus, um, uh, when these uh, when people have these issues with Christianity and uh, or what they may perceive as as injustices or a lack of um, a lack of action or inactivity on certain social issues, and you know, going back to those basics. So, you know, these why are we um, why do these things upset us? why we you know that something is wrong that something is broken like why 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 are we even asking these questions? Why do these things matter? um fundamentally going back to those um can can lead to, to great discussions about the truth you know truthfulness of the Christian faith and faith and evidence mm-hmm. For, mm-hmm. For, for, for our for for that world of and, um and and went to the gospel again, you know and I'm really talking about. Members and, you know, the restoration Absolutely. of things by like Jesus.
1: Absolutely, and sometimes these discussions, these you know, these apologetic discussions that we have with with individuals, they aren't
0: necessarily
1: mm-hmm. always going to lead to salvation right on the spot, right?
0: right? So, exactly.
1: Um, our task as um, apologists and our tasks as uh, believers and defenders is just to speak right? It's just mm-hmm. to say something in the midst of um, questions, in the midst, mm-hmm. of clarity, in,
0: the, in the midst of
1: something that requires clarity, in the midst of something that requires the truth of God. Mm-hmm. Our task is just to speak. And we do so mm-hmm. with gentleness and we do so with with meekness, but we understand that, mm-hmm. that that it starts there, that we've been given the ministry of reconciliation that requires us to speak in order for that reconciliation mm-hmm. to happen. Whether it happens in front of us, whether it happens three years, four years, five years down the line, that's really
0: mm-hmm. um, not
1: up to us. But we we do our mm-hmm. part mm-hmm. by having these sessions.
0: Absolutely. And like I said, just asking questions, you know, why does this matter? Why you know, why why is this why is um why why does this seem wrong? <laughs> just those those um self reflective questions can help um just to have a to help a person to think through their own worldview. Um in that mm-hmm. as well. So, just those are starting points and and um in getting someone to think deeply about their worldview. Um so in light of that, um you know it's, it's, you know, we talk about in and and um in the B with the you know oppression. Against women, examples. Um Let's talk, you know, specifically about why people they why they would think that Christianity oppresses women.
1: Um, I think for for several reasons. Number one, um, they're taught that it is, so that's fundamentally mm-hmm. that's why they think it is. But, um, you just hear other that, yeah. As well, so <laughs> yeah, um, so you know, when you take a look at the, the language of the Bible, the biblical language, God is referred to as he and not as she. Therefore, mm-hmm. Christianity is oppressive to women. Or um, you take a look at the, at the text and um, all of the authors of the text or many of the major figures in the text, most of them are men. Therefore, Christianity is oppressive to women, so b- people have different reasons for for thinking it, but I think again, it fits into this overall narrative that religion is a tool of oppression used by men to subjugate mm-hmm. women, and you know um, this idea this sociological patriarchal idea where there are certain systems that have been designed to um To be detrimental to women under under some some forms of feminism, marriage is one of those institutions that have been designed to be um disadvantageous to to women so all of these mm-hmm. uh, interpretations of what Christianity is it falls out of um this idea um of patriarchy and the oppression and i I, I believe if um mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't had a chance to listen to it, but I would venture to to, to say that some mm-hmm. of the things that were said in your um, earlier in an earlier podcast about um, mm-hmm. conflict theory and those sorts of things, um, it's mm-hmm. set up. Conflict theory is set up in this way where there is a ruler and a ruled, where is where there mm-hmm. is the bourgeoisie and the proletariat, where there is the oppressed and the oppressor, where there's men and where mm-hmm. there's women. So it fits. In More. that narrative And it's a narrative that mm-hmm. came out of the 20th century um, uh, Primarily Out of uh, the sociological thinkers But um, some of the Psychologists who would later come as well And philosophers mm-hmm. I, I failed to mention Yeah.
0: Alright so it's just some of, some, some of the things that Have been sort of ingrained in us And um, in some of the Newer social theories and that as well So absolutely um, Let's let's look a, a little bit at, um, you, you um, in your, um, I know in your chapter um, in the book, you know, when you talk about, um, you know, about hermeneutics and about, um, and, well, and you might want to explain what hermeneutics is even, um, but why this is important as we look at, you know, specifically at the New Testament and we're uh, trying to look at the question of the Christian in and women and, is this really because, you know, I think you, you said earlier, like you just, we have to look at it if this is really true, you know, we hear it, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, um, it's kind of thrown out there in the feminist theology movement, but is it true? And so we have to, we have to look at the Bible, obviously, to answer that, if it's, if mm-hmm. the Bible does oppress women. Um, so why is hermeneutics important? What is hermeneutics? And kind of tell us, um, what yeah, you know, the role that that plays as we're discussing that.
1: Sure. So hermeneutics uh, roughly, or generally speaking, I should say, hermeneutics is uh, the principles by which we interpret meaning in a text. Essentially, that's what hermeneutics is. So mm-hmm. whenever we open uh, up a piece of literature, in order to get the meaning out of that literature, we employ certain principles called hermeneutics to get meaning out of the text. So we understand what simile and metaphor is. We understand semantics. We understand um, how sentences are constructed, those sorts of things. All of those things help us find meaning. Um, And meaning Mm -hmm. is the goal of interpretation. So we're not just doing it when we pick up a, a book and we open it up we aren't just simply interested in implementing certain principles. We're trying to get the meaning out of the text. And so in the context of feminist criticism, it points more largely to the ways in which feminist critics get meaning out of the text. So when they open up a piece of literature and uh, they they can – what is an example – um, it's it's commonly um, accepted that Eve is the instantiation of all things evil in the biblical text um, because mm-hmm. Eve was the one that ate the fruit. Well, that's 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 a that's a weighty that's a weighty conclusion because it could it could possibly it could be true and it is true mm-hmm. that Eve ate the fruit. But how is it true? Based on that text and other texts, that she is the instantiation of all things evil, especially in light of Romans five, which says that sin entered the world through Adam and not through Eve. So the, mm-hmm. the principles, um, the principles that we use to understand the text, informs the meaning that we glean from it, and it and it um, it aids in the conclusions that we draw from the text. And so fundamentally, what I'm saying is that the principles that feminist critics use to get meaning from the text are completely different mm-hmm. from um, uh, sound, what I would call sound hermeneutical principles. Um, mm-hmm. and, and one of the things I say is that the, the meaning of a text requires the context that surrounds the text, not the context that surrounds you, right? So mm-hmm. um, for mm-hmm. all of the things that happen in, are completely different. If the biblical text mm-hmm. was written in the first century to a different culture, to a completely different people, it would be v- very illicit to use our 20th century understanding to get meaning out of the text. It would, it would be our job to get as close to the mindset of the people to whom the text was given. And so mm-hmm. in the context of feminist criticism, what I think is happening is that we're using 20th century principles predicated on feminist assumptions to interpret text that was given to us way before there was ever a feminist. I I um mm-hmm. I would venture to say, um, and I would fake mm-hmm. a lot on this that Paul wasn't a misogynist. Um, mm. misogyny, misogyny is a is a new term. It's a modern. Term. Now, this is not to say mm-hmm. that misogyny has, has that misogyny just became a thing later on. It's not to deny that there were certain mm-hmm. things going on, and there's, it's not to deny the very real realities and the you know messed up views towards women. Um, those things mm-hmm. were there in the first century. And when we're talking about the text, and we're talking about the people that wrote the text, or the things that they wrote in the text. In that text, um, we don't find the misogynistic messages that we're led to think are in the text. We're just using our 20th century to read back into it, and that's called Jesus. If I were to write Mm -hmm. um, a book this year, in 2018, and in Mm -hmm. the year 3000, someone picked up Mm -hmm. the book that I wrote in 2018, I would expect them, if they had any integrity, to get as close to the culture of 2018 to find out what I meant, and not to use Mm -hmm. the culture of the year 3000 to put it back into Mm -hmm. the text that was written close to a thousand years before. And it's the same courtesy that I think should be paid to the biblical text, the same courtesy that should be paid to any text. Um, text, It it would just um, be um it's just it's just integrity to to mm-hmm. um to be as fair and as judicial in the reading of a text um as hermeneutically is required.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean obviously, you know, humans we have biases and so um we we tend to um you know elicit those biases where it benefits our you know our our, our already pre presuppositions and so that's why we do like you said it's we have to be careful not to do these i c um not to do it whenever we're doing you know any sort of reading or um looking at other looking at works that um you know that may not um appeal to us but that we still have to be fair right um as we're examining um what what the meanings are there um and not um you know, put a new spin on it from my culture. You did. You talk about the different cultures and societies and contexts, So, what, what were, um, you know, for those who aren't familiar with some of the New Testament, um, this backdrop and what was going on, and and how and how that's vastly different than where we are today in terms of culture. Um, explain some of those differences um, to give some context to the texts that are typically in question when it comes to. Um, patriarchy and misogyny in that
1: sure sure so um, the biblical text was given um, in in traditional society so sociologically speaking there's different um, ways that we can look at human history Um, and if we're Mm -hmm. looking at uh, the first century the the first century in the years around the first century the culture, the society, was a traditional society. The society that we live in today in the 21st century is not a traditional society. It's a modern society. There are very real differences between those two things, and that has everything to do with how we're going to understand the biblical text. So in a traditional mm-hmm. society distinct from our modern contemporary society, there the, the social fabric of society was not an individual it was a, it was a social unit so today mm-hmm. individuals we constitute the the fabric of society we are a society of individual people that's not how traditional society ordered itself it ordered themselves around the social unit of the family and so everything mm-hmm. was ordered to that end in, in fact um, family. Even the notion of family is different in our uh, contemporary society. Today we um, Mm -hmm. set up our families as conjugal unions where we have, you know, you have a husband and you have a wife and you have kids, and that's the family. Not so in a traditional Mm -hmm. society. In a traditional society, family was way bigger than that. It consisted of kinship ties. And so you had a husband Mm -hmm. and you had a wife and you had kids, but you also had the parents. You also had the uh, brothers and sisters and their wives and their children Mm -hmm. all of them formed the fabric of that um that was the social unit of the society so so that kind of informs then um how we read new testament passages when paul is talking about family he's not necessarily just talking about a conjugal union he's talking about something Mm -hmm. much more larger than that and that's true in a, in a literal sense, but it's also true in a spiritual sense. So when he's talking about the family of God and he's talking about the body of Christ, it's to be understood in a traditional sense and not in a conjugal mm-hmm. and contemporary sense. And so in a traditional society, mm-hmm. everything was ordered towards the well-functioning of a family. Uh, the well-functioning mm-hmm. of a community, the well-functioning of the household of faith. And so when you go to First Corinthians 13 and he's saying, there's certain things that you need to do and need not do because there can't be any confusion in the body of Christ. That's given with an aim in mind that everything should be ordered so that the community of believers is run well and is run optimally. So there are just really real differences mm-hmm. in... in um, In our society today, modern and contemporary society, we have Mm -hmm. departments of health and we have departments of education and we have police forces Mm -hmm. and we have all of these governmental bodies, which that Mm -hmm. wasn't true in in traditional society. In traditional society, uh, protection happened in the home, education happened in the home, health Mm -hmm. happened in the home. There were no insurance companies in traditional society. Everyone took care of Mm -hmm. the needs of everyone in the community, which again we will find those sorts of uh, things in the New Testament uh, text. And so in that type of society, everyone had a role and a part to play and nothing was needed mm-hmm. out to another body to keep order intact. So,
0: mm-hmm. again,
1: those things kind of inform uh, when we go to certain passages and we read about, you know, in 1 Corinthians when it talks about, you know, children, be your subject to your parents, be be submitted to your parents' wives, be submitted to your husbands, husbands be mm-hmm. submitted to Christ. That's for the well-functioning of, number one, the household, but number two, the community of believers, and number two, just society mm-hmm. generally. And so when we read those sorts of things, we ought not read uh, to read misogyny or patriarchy into it because that's not what God's concern is. God's concern mm-hmm. is the well-functioning of this new body, this new community of believers who are called to live in relationship and fellowship with each other.
0: Mm, that brings a lot of clarity, um, uh, just looking at those, um, at the context and the, the culture. And just to be clear, Diana, like, I know that you have um, degrees in sociology, um, I believe what sociology you know, sociology and, and psychology. i right? It's not from University of Toronto, so I know that this mm-hmm. topic, you know, is you know, so you you have some some undergirding where where um you you know you study socio- culture and that. So um, I think that that's really neat that you can bring that into this discussion um, on apologetics and on. Uh, um, the, the the Bible and how we interpret the Bible and that as well. Um, so that's, that's a plus for it's a plus for us. <laughs> um, but, so let's look at you know the, the, Ephesians five twenty two and twenty three in light of what what you shared about the uh, the family unit and the traditional versus the more modern technological um, version of family. Um, us we at Um the specific, specific passage which um a lot of people have a problem with, you know, as it comes when it comes to the roles that are described and husbands being handed and and I will just read it. Um wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Um, so I know that that raises a lot of red flags for someone who is coming from within this Um, So it's you know kind of one that to us um, and mm-hmm. why it would say that that's not an abusive, um, um mandate to, um, against women.
1: Okay. Okay. Sure. Um, the first thing that I think is just very interesting to point out is that the text says wives submit to your husbands it does not say women submit to men i think that mm-hmm. a lot of times people have this idea that all women everywhere ought to submit to all men everywhere that's that's not mm-hmm. biblical that would be a strong straw man so just to to say that but um this this whole chapter of is a, just a very interesting chapter because if you go back to the very beginning, Paul is making um, a case for this new community of believers who now have God as um, God as their ruler. How are you all supposed to live in community one with another? And so, it's our tendency, or it's sometimes the tendency of of many, just to go straight to Ephesians five. Uh, and verse number uh, 22, the one that you just read, but that's actually not where uh, Paul starts, starts his conversation. Um, We know that Mm -hmm. verses and chapters were not in the original uh, text, that those came later. So if we're going to um, get the proper understanding, then we would have to go back a little bit uh, before five and 22, Mm -hmm. 23. And so, um, uh, what uh, theologians have identified is that the that text five and twenty two, it's housed in what they call the household code, and that household code actually begins in chapter four and verse twenty five. So okay. I, I won't read all of. Um, Chapter 4, but I'll read maybe a couple Of verses just to give you the sense, so uh, He says Uh in 425 Therefore, putting away lying, speak the truth each to one his neighbor, because we're members of one another. Be angry and don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and don't give the devil an opportunity. It it goes on to say if um, the thief should steal no longer, he should um, do honest work with his own hands No foul language should come for your mouth, but only what's good for building up someone in need so that it gives grace to those who hear. And he goes on, he says things like let all bitterness and Anger and wrath and shouting and slander mm-hmm. be removed far from you. And so Paul is is telling the the body of believers. He's not just talking to men, and he's not just speaking to women. He's talking about he's talking to the community of people who are mm-hmm. uh, under the rulership of God. How they ought to live one uh, with the other. And so mm-hmm. that goes on. The end of chapter four ends, and then chapter five. He starts by saying, therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children and walk in love as Christ also mm-hmm. loved us and gave himself for us. So that's the start of chapter 5. So if you read chapter 5 and mm-hmm. then you get down to 22, it says wives submit to your husband. But that wives submit to your husband, it comes mm-hmm. after a long list of what both of them should be doing in relationship mm-hmm. one with the other. And so right. the wife submits to your husband. It's not to be divorced from what he said previously. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, many people often lose sight of the fact that Paul is speaking to Christian people.
0: Mm-hmm. Right? He's, not, he, mm-hmm. he's not
1: speaking to tyrants and he's not speaking to despots and he's not speaking. He's speaking to people who have been changed by uh, mm-hmm. the power of Jesus Christ to live a new type of life. And it's to those people, he says, order yourselves in this way so that you can effectively mm-hmm. live out and mirror and uh, testify, if you will, what it means to be under the Lordship of Christ. So mm-hmm. those things, 5 and 22, it, it's, not, it's not divorce. And it it also is the case that, Um, It's very easy to stop at verse number 23, but Mm -hmm. 24 and 25 say something very interesting. It says, now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. And then it says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And so this is not just Mm -hmm. a passage. Um, that's just given to women, women or wives, you need to do this because of this. It's also speaking to husbands. Everyone has their part to mm-hmm. play in the effective mm-hmm. functioning of this new body of believers and this new household mm-hmm. uh, that's under the rulership of God. Even children have a part to play, as Paul mm-hmm. will later go on to say. Everyone has a part to play. And, and again, that goes back mm-hmm. to traditional society, the basis of society at the time that Paul was writing was way broader than the conjugal mm-hmm. it's about a, a community of people that have to live together. And so he says to them, stop lying to one another. Don't be angry. Don't be rascals with each other. Treat each other that treat each other in a way that you would want others to treat you. And as you do that, this is how you order your household for greater effectiveness. Now if you choose not to order mm-hmm. it that way okay, that's fine if you don't want to order it that way, but you're going to see mm-hmm. that certain things will result if you don't. And and that's fine. Mm-hmm. You'll find that out. I'm just telling you, see, all of the, the text is given to imperfect people who are called mm-hmm. to live as, quote, unquote, perfectly as they can. So mm-hmm. um, these these things are what, These things are what have been given to us to do. We're going to fail. We're not going to do it well. We have our own personalities, Mm -hmm. and our own personalities are sometimes, Mm -hmm. um, most often our Mm -hmm. personalities are not functioning the way that they need to function. So there's going to be discord because we're Mm -hmm. human and those sorts of things, but God gives us a blueprint, and it's to our benefit if we live as closely to that as possible as a community of believers who are
0: under the Mm -hmm. lordship of Christ. Amen. And, you know, I think you, you said something earlier uh, just about that this isn't some mandate for all women um, in relation to men. So um, it's not like this, a single woman is just a subject to all these men in her life, and she must admit And I think that that's the way that it's been caricatured. And I think that I thought that for a while as well, um, and it was um, maybe presented to me that way. So even as Christians, we can... Um, not communicate these truths very clearly um, within you know within Christian culture so it's important to study for ourselves and um to study to show ourselves approved um and you know as said to as as believers um, we don't do these things perfectly um and husbands may um, not treat their wives as Christ as a church and as women we may not Submit in, in the way that the Lord has called us to, and it's like you said, it's it's just it's a matter of things being out of order in in relation to God. And I think that um, I know that I'm imperfect in this area, and so I have seen. Oh, yeah, are. Um, yeah, and, and I've seen it, and I know as you being yourself being newly married, and myself being married for um, you know almost fifteen years now, I mean, how things are. Um, uh, out of whack, so to speak <laughs> when when we stray from what the Lord is coming and again, like you said, this is f- specific um to believing households and how how they're to run in order to effectively glorify glorify god um in in this culture yeah so those are two very good points um, so um let's um uh, another another topic you know as we um maybe wind down a little bit here is um another reason that, that Christianity is instead of be oppressive is because of this idea of leadership in the New testament church and yeah. why some positions were designated for men and how that mm-hmm. can be seen um maybe you know maybe you know in a fair way that, that may be seen as being oppressive or bigoted or biased or, you know, what have you, um, what would you say? Would you say that, that that is an argument for Christianity being oppressive because of these positions of leadership being, um, you know, women being excluded from certain positions of leadership in the early church and, mm-hmm. and in the church in general? Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. See, this is such an interesting question to me, and I'm always going to
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, be drawing from... Um, sociology to some extent but even Mm -hmm. our conception of church is different than what it was in the Mm -hmm. day that Paul was was writing and so in contemporary society in modern society uh, church and the running of church is more so it's a religious institution it's somewhere where we go to where we spend two mm-hmm. hours, we, we receive, uh, we sing, you know, a few songs, we get preached mm-hmm. to for, you know, several minutes, and then we go when we leave church and we come home by and large to live our lives the way that we live it until we go back to church again. That's contemporary society. That's not the way that they did things <laughs> back there mm-hmm. um, back society right so paul is not speaking to people who see the body of believers and the body of christ as a religious institution they see it as something that is central to their being where we go to church and we volunteer our time and we give our time for Mm a few hours and then we leave no that that was their life that was their that was Mm -hmm. their existence they ordered themselves around the truths of God, Mm -hmm. and they just didn't fit it in where it fit in when they had time to fit Mm -hmm. it in. And so today Mm -hmm. when we think about the hierarchies and we think about the positions and we think about the leadership and we think about the activities and we think about the ministries and we think about all of these sorts of things that are very functional in nature, we have to question Mm -hmm. whether God is concerned about function as he is with you living out who you are in essence. Day to day. Mm. So, is it possible for men and women to do all of these things in church? Yeah, I guess so. Women, yeah, women can do things. Of course, they can do things. But the question is, is,
0: whether right, it's not that they're not capable, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, abilities are abilities, and it's not the case that women are less capable of course they're not mm-hmm. the, um, I think any uh, any psychologist any social uh, scientist with their weight will let you know that women and men are more or less equal in intellect so it's not it's not that sort of mm-hmm. thing where where the two are being distinguished. but the question is whether God is concerned about the doing or mm-hmm. whether he's concerned about the being and so the text mm-hmm. is given to a people who were concerned about being a certain type of people and not doing all of these things where you can do all mm-hmm. of these things and not actually be who you're supposed to be. So that question itself, when we get to like leadership and we get to mm-hmm. those sorts of things, I, I I go one step back and I say, Well, we need to hold on a minute. We need to think whether the way that we're doing and being the church is the way that it was given to us uh, in the very beginning in in the writings of Scripture and those sorts of things. So um, mm-hmm. that's just one of the things that's just very interesting to me. Everything has been shifted and everything has been affected by our 20th century understanding of things. So when it comes to leadership, mm-hmm. when it comes to even the word submit, is affected by our twentieth century understanding of submit, and we ought to question whether paul 's understanding of submission is the same understanding that we have today because if it 's not the mm. same, then we should probably go with Paul and not with our understanding mm. of it mm. i think what I'm, I, I think what I would um, I think what I would just want to suggest <laughs> is that we mm-hmm. begin to question the assumptions that we bring to the text. And it's hard to question mm-hmm. those things if we're doing it unconsciously, but if we can begin to think about uh things in terms of traditional society versus contemporary society if we begin to think about, you know, uh the family and 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 uh, the family back then and the family now, we can begin to understand why Paul uses mm-hmm the words that he uses because he has something in mind that is not necessarily mm. our default way of thinking about things.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I know you talk about even in um uh like Luke ten thirty 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 five, um the the um care for um I think that's the Good Samaritan, um but mm-hmm. the the chef, um, when you talk about those examples of the Good Samaritan and also the Judah mm-hmm. Shepherd and that and um and how and, and how we look at that um in terms of authority um mm-hmm. over sheep and mm-hmm. how what that what, what that looks like different than what we might assume in our minds what authority really is. Um, yeah. Yeah,
1: it's um so if we, if we were to go to – because a lot of uh, – the crux of the matter is, is this. A lot of um, feminists and maybe feminist uh, critics, they will look at certain uh, passages of the text, and because mm-hmm. those passages more or less identify males in the role, they will default and say that um, ergo – uh, it's oppressive to women. And so if you go, you know, First Timothy uh, 3 as an example, um, if anyone aspires mm-hmm. to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. And notice the pronouns that I'm using. These are the very same pronouns that feminists will use as the launching point to conclude oppression. Um, it goes on, it says, he must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone doesn't know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? And so uh, First Timothy uh, 3, it uh, uses all um, um, male pronouns. But mm-hmm. what I like to identify is that um, the word that is used in that text Epilem um, I care for um, and even manage to some extent. That same word is used of the Good Samaritan. And so, if you think back to John 10, the Good Samaritan, uh, where the Good Samaritan he was uh, he was walking along one day and he saw someone that it was in need of care, uh, and so mm. he took that he took the responsibility of bringing that person to the innkeeper who could care for him. And he told the innkeeper, in effect, it doesn't matter what this costs. Just nurse this person back to health, and I'll take care of the mm. bill when I come back. That is that is the picture of epimoleami. Uh, that is what mm. the shepherd. Is supposed to do, supposed to care for the sheep, care for the needs of the sheep, be responsible for the needs of the sheep, and takes it upon Mm -hmm. himself to do whatever is necessary to make sure that Mm -hmm. the sheep is nursed back to good health. So it's not, Mm -hmm. it's not, and again, this goes back to what I was saying about contemporary society. The office of overseer, it's not a, it's not a pretty like I'm leader, you need to worship Mm -hmm. me. I'm at the top and you're under me. It's it's right. a position of leadership. That that's, right. that's mm-hmm. what it was in Paul's day. Now it's become it's become um a position of power and authority and prestige and all of those sorts of things, but mm-hmm. it wasn't that in Paul's day. And so um, even okay. if you go to Jesus says that he is the good shepherd and that he has mm-hmm. um, authority over the sheep, so that he can care for the sheep and provide for the sheep and protect the sheep. That's what it is to be a shepherd in the biblical text. It's not someone who gets to get like the best parking places on Sunday morning. Just, mm-hmm. just right. So the, even our whole uh, understanding yeah. <laughs> of of these of these things, of these biblical things and these biblical positions, Mm -hmm. they have been tainted by our 20th Mm -hmm. century, they've been tainted by by the way that we've been doing it for so long so that when we actually go back Mm -hmm. to the biblical text, it's something that's new and that's interesting and that's groundbreaking, but that's actually what he was teaching. We have just
0: misinterpreted
1: Mm -hmm. it because we weren't using uh, the culture that Paul was in. We've been using our culture to understand Mm -hmm. these things. And so in traditional society, that type of responsibility, that type of weight, that type of expectation to be mm-hmm. all and to do all that is required to ensure the well-being of another, that was always placed mm-hmm. on. And women were never uh, called to shoulder that responsibility. Now, can they shoulder mm-hmm. it? Yeah, they can. Mm-hmm. But, um, But the way that they shoulder it, and the effects of shouldering it are going to be much different than the way and the effects that men that men do it. So mm-hmm. it, it just depends on, on what we're going for. I think that if we were to look out into the world today and we can see the way that these sorts of things have been turned on their heads, we can see mm-hmm. – um, very generally, there's always exceptions in any bell curve. There's always extremes. I'm just talking about what's in the middle of, of the bell. Um, but mm-hmm. when we look out into the world and we can see that we have a society that is juxtaposed to mm-hmm. um, juxtaposed to the sorts of things that we find in the biblical text, like society suffered, like people suffer, um, and mm-hmm. it's not as effective as it could be if it were. If it were just, if it were um, put in accordance with what the biblical text actually teaches, and so I, I say mm-hmm. all the time, people are free. People are free to 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 make their own choices. Even Christians are free to make their own choices. The process of sanctification mm-hmm. requires that choices be made, so that's okay. Mm-hmm. People are free to do that, um, but there are certain consequences that are imminent when we don't do things in ways that they ought to be done and if and if if it's our choice mm-hmm. not to do them in those ways i mean uh, even the biblical text the biblical text never says husbands make your wives submit it's mm-hmm. not there it says wow. wives, you ought to be the mm-hmm. people that, that have control over mm-hmm. your own spouse so even if so, number one, we can say that husbands are never called to make their wives submit, and number two, mm-hmm. we can say that if wives don't submit, that's that's okay. But there's going to be something that that is um, going to affect the way that the unit functions.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting. You know, we're they're... talking about um, the. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Diana. Oh, sure oh sorry. And I
1: was just gonna say something about oh, submit, because I've been mm-hmm. saying this this dreaded S word for so long, and I haven't really <laughs> <laughs> defined it. So, so <laughs> I would just um, any you know anyone can can do um, their own word study of of what the word actually means, but submit the the way that we understand submit today in our 20th century mindset it figures that the Mm -hmm. the person who is submitting is of less value than the one being submitted. Mm -hmm. It figures that uh, the person who is submitted is of less worth or uh, dignity or value just because of the act of submission. But that's not actually what the word means, and that's not what Paul was Mm -hmm. saying when he was using it. It's the type of submission, it's the type of, Ordering oneself under authority so that the job mm-hmm. can get done. And we do that all mm-hmm. the time. When we go to work, when we go out mm-hmm. into the world, we order ourselves. In such a way so that the job can be done. So um, mm-hmm. when I go to my job, if someone else goes to their job, there are certain things that I have to order myself towards. Number one, because it's my responsibility. But number two, there's a there's a there's a broader goal and an agenda, and it doesn't mean that I'm of lesser mm-hmm. value uh, lesser value than my manager and my boss. But there's there's something that needs to be um, manifested as we work. And so I order myself in that sort of way so that it can be done. But it has nothing to do with value, and it has nothing to do with lesser than, and it has nothing to do with tyranny, and it has nothing to do with rule, and it has nothing to do with the sorts of things mm-hmm. that we attribute to the mythic because of all of the things that have happened in the 20th century to make us very, Why? very antagonistic to the notion of authority. Mm-hmm. Submission and all of those sorts of things. We don't we don't realize the depths to which our modern minds have been affected
0: Something, by the way we right. Absolutely. And yeah, you're. Um, we see so much, um, uh, you know, abuse around us that it's. We don't think. Um, we just tend to think think that way whenever we hear these terms, and you know, just simply like we talk about submission and. Like you said in these in these texts and debate, like should women even submit and all these things. Like, what do we what do we mean by submit? You know, um, mm-hmm, that, that's mm-hmm, so yeah. important, and I'm so glad that she brought that up. And it's funny because tonight, um, actually, um, Devin and I both um, taught two different classes at our school um, churches' vacation Bible schools, and um, the passage that tonight we were all teaching on was in the parable in Luke 15 on the parable of the lost sheep and it basically, you know, the tax collectors and they're coming to Jesus and they're like, oh, you are you know, you're hanging out with these sinners and you know, what's up with that? And Jesus, you know, of course, um, like he does in many cases, responds to them in the parable and talks about the shepherd who has a hundred sheep and loses one,
1: um, mm-hmm. how he leaves the
0: 99, goes out through the one and, and brings mm-hmm. the lost sheep back and how there's great rejoicing. And that mm-hmm. picture of the shepherd who was basically an authority over the sheep. But this this and our 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 um our topic this tonight was God cares for us, right? Mm-hmm. And this was mm-hmm. this was a passage that we used was was this illustration of Jesus coming up to that long sheep. The shepherd going after this long sheep which is which is a picture of Christ. And so that fits perfectly with what you're saying about this authority, um, how we're we've been so tainted by what we see in modern culture that going back to the scriptures and actually looking at what a shepherd mm-hmm. is, does and what a shepherd is and how he cares mm-hmm. for us. Um, and right, just me teaching right. that to my 9, nine and 10-year-old tonight and how relevant mm-hmm. that is, that just drives home to me, more importantly, um, you know, how, how I need to make sure that they understand that, um, yeah. And and that yeah. was exactly the the message tonight was on as our father and as our king that so he he was for us and so the same way yeah. with our um, those in authority um, on an earthly level um, yeah insurance. so and that's just that,
1: yeah and I'll say too that I you yeah. know when we when I'm saying these sorts of things I'm mm-hmm. I'm very careful to to be very clear about the messages that feminism gives to inform maybe some of the things that I'm saying. So for anyone who maybe, you mm-hmm. know, is a feminist or whatever, and by mm-hmm. by listening to me, they may think that I'm picturing women as weak and as passive and need to be cared for and they can't do it on their own because mm-hmm. they're in no, that's that's that could be further from the truth. I think that there is this, Draw man that feminism uh, erects for what it needs to be a women a woman, so uh, people mm-hmm. think that that Christianity teaches that women are delicate and that they're victims and that they should stay at home because they're too weak to live mm-hmm. in the world that's that's not the mm-hmm. biblical view of women that's that's the Victorian ideal of women where the women just had mm-hmm. to be taken care of and all of those sorts of things that's there is for anyone who would uh, want to look into this further, there is, in in the biblical text, women are pictured as, as strong, as um, mm-hmm. resourceful, as intelligent, as um, mm-hmm. just the sorts of things, the sorts of, of descriptive words that all of us would want to aspire uh, to mm-hmm. be. Um, so it's not the case that in Christianity women are passive and they're weak, and they need mm-hmm. someone to mm-hmm. come to the rescue. That's not the case at all. Um, it's mm-hmm. it's quite the opposite. Right. It's not like so
0: Cinderella. Not the Cinderella and so Charming kind of exactly kind
1: of situation. It's, <laughs> not a, it's not a Cinderella moment. It's Christianity is not a Cinderella mm-hmm. uh, moment. But even though women are strong and women are resourceful and women are called to to be women that doesn't necessarily exempt them from uh, the sorts of things that I've been talking about in terms of ordering themselves under their husbands for the effectiveness Mm -hmm. um, of Mm -hmm. the household. It doesn't necessarily mean that uh, in the church community that they're passive and that they're weak because to be quite honest with you, the shepherds of the house are to care for male sheep Mm -hmm. and female sheep. So it's just not the case yeah. that women alone are the mm-hmm. ones that 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 need that sort of covering. But as you said before, it's a broader picture mm-hmm. of the care and mm-hmm. concern that God has for those whom He has mm-hmm. corralled, if you will, into His grace um, and into His into His mercy.
0: And then, and you know, as you know, as shepherds and pastors and leaders and elders and these um, males and those roles. Um, I think, like what you're saying, you're shepherding both men and women. And so, when, with women, it, as well as with men, you're you're helping them to cultivate their gifts and their their, mm-hmm. their, their calling and their abilities mm-hmm. to help them be, mm-hmm. to be useful and effective for God's kingdom and to, mm-hmm. to, to use their gifts for God's glory and to the maximum of, of their. Of their ability in Christ, and so it is not where you, women are to just sit back and do nothing. But they're a part of the body of the active body of Christ, like some arms and some legs and some, you know, eyes and you know all these different things that um, were described um, that the body described in, in Scripture. And so women have wonderful gifts. And so um, when we talk about Um, submission to our husbands and submission to church leadership and things of that nature Um, you you and myself as women who um, are seminarians who do take um, theological education seriously who do take um, learning and education seriously um, who feel that God's called us to do that and has led us to do that um, that is that is not something that is reserved for men to just learn the Bible and to know the scriptures. We're all called to be Bereans. We're all called to be, um, to study, to show ourselves approved. And so um, those texts in no way say that women are less, like you said, less uh, less intelligent or that they can't learn scriptures or they can't learn theology or they can't learn apologetics. And I, I love that there's this movement um, through uh, Women and Apologetics, the Mama Bear Apologetics and um, and that, and where women are uh, learning um, for the first time, many um, lay women, just learning to defend the scriptures and learning apologetics and learning philosophy um, and theology. And so it's encouraging um, because God does want us to use our gifts and our abilities and our talents. Um, mm-hmm. To spur on the body of Christ and in our families, mm-hmm. um, and so into and, and so that we're better evangelists. And so, um, being a woman in the church doesn't mean that you have to be uh, or feel that you you cannot um, you can't learn, you can't grow, or you can't dig deep. And that is some many times a perception, unfortunately, that women have of themselves and as a function in the church. Um, And so uh, I think that you're a great example of a woman that can be empowered in terms of learning the scriptures and equipping the body in different ways, um, but yet still understanding that as a wife that there's a role um, in your household um, and that there's a God-given order, um, but that it it doesn't keep you from serving God to your full potential. And being used by him to your to your full potential.
1: No, no, and I think, and again, this this is uh, I guess the perfection or this is the end goal um, of Mm -hmm. it. But knowing that, knowing that that um, that I'm submitted to my husband, that actually should make me a better evangelist. That should make me a more effective evangelist. It should make me a better, just a better person. Because, again, Mm -hmm. there's something in the submission that aids my being. And that will Mm -hmm. affect the way that I do the things that I do. Because God's just not concerned with the doing. He's concerned with the being. Mm -hmm. He's concerned with the heart. And if you do all these things without the heart Mm -hmm. stuff, um, you know,
0: um in
1: Matthew, mm-hmm. Jesus said Jesus said in Matthew uh, seven, I believe around twenty one, he said, um, mm-hmm. that in that day I will uh, I will say, Go get away from me. I never knew you and, and they'll say, mm-hmm. Well, didn't we do all of these things in your name? Didn't we cast out devils? Mm-hmm. All these Jesus is gonna say, Yeah, you did, but I didn't know you right. So there's mm-hmm. something about being obedient. There's something mm-hmm. about being the type of uh people that we need to be mm-hmm. that deeply, deeply changes who we are and then that should affect mm-hmm. what we do. But it's not the other way around. Um, it's mm-hmm. not the other way around.
0: Yeah. And it's on and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it's almost as if you're saying if we're so concerned about uh, the, the the title and the doom and the, and the not necessarily the recognition, but just if we're more concerned with those things of having that title and having that position, um, then then we might be dealing with a heart issue, um, if, if I'm hearing you correctly. Yeah, yeah.
1: And even mm-hmm. as apologists, I mean, no one is immune
0: mm-hmm. to this.
1: Even mm-hmm. as apologists, if right. we are not concerned with, and this is the wrong way to say it, but I'm going to say it this way to prove my point.
0: Mm-hmm. If we're not
1: concerned with who we be, we will be the type of people mm-hmm. that are more, will will be the type of people that cause more damage than not. Mm-hmm. So even in our presentation, even in our discussion, even in our answering of questions, even uh, in our conversation, we have to be mm-hmm. Certain pe- sorts of people who are Christians, because if we're not, we're gonna we're gonna affect mm-hmm. the hearers in ways that they wouldn't be affected had um, that they wouldn't have been affected had we done things right. So at all points, and this is not just for mm-hmm. women. This is just this is for, this is just for the body of believers, men and women, boys mm-hmm. and girls, everyone who belongs to the household of faith. We are mm-hmm. called to submit ourselves to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives that so we can be changed from the inside, and that change from the inside then affects how we live life um, on the outside, one with another, and life um, mm. life as we live it under under the Lord. That's
0: that's just mm. how I think about it. Mm. Well, I think that I've kept you long enough, Diana. <laughs> We've covered a lot, and this has been spelled right in I know that the viewers are very thankful for this, and this is a lot to think about and to to look different to. um and um did you have any closing thoughts um as we wrap up, um just to kind of bring everything together i I think what you just said pretty much brought it together so we're see anything, <laughs> anything <new. laughs> um,
1: yeah, I would just um i I think my closing thought would be on on this topic. Uh, especially mm-hmm. feminist criticism, is just always to remember uh, mm-hmm. context matters, but it's the context mm-hmm. that surrounds the, the text and the scripture. It's not the context that surrounds you. And that, that, I think, will do a world of good in terms of how we go to the text and we get the meaning um, from the text um, other than that, if, you know, anyone um, has any questions for me, then I'm, um, I'm here and I'm more than uh, willing to have conversations. But I, I think at the end of the mm-hmm. day, for all of us who are in the body of Christ, we're called to be mm-hmm. Christians. And and everything mm-hmm. that that means, we're called to be Christians. And so um, because the, what it is to be a Christian is to be a good person and a loving person and a kind person and an affectionate person and a wise person mm-hmm. and an intelligent person. All of those things come to bear when we're talking about how it is um, to live, to live in, in mm-hmm. the world and how we ought to, to represent ourselves and, and represent the, the truth of Scripture.
0: Yeah, yeah. So in closing, um, again, as we talked earlier about, Southern Evangelical Seminary and about the National Conference on Christian Apologetics um, coming up in October Um, um, and this wonderful seminary that Diana is a part of and that can equip you to better defend the faith and to think things more about your faith. Um, Visit um, scs.edu for more information on the seminary and on the conference. Um, If you have questions for Devin and myself, um, you can reach us at Melissa Palou at Um and we just we hope that this again opens the door for conversations and just for you to think deeply about um, whether you're a male or a female, um, to think deeply about where you are in Christ and, um, and and just how we're viewing the scriptures in general and how we're approaching the scriptures. Um and um and that we'll use this information to um, share the truth and love with others and to be better apologists, evangelists and lovers of truth. So with that being said, Diana, thank you so much for being with us this evening and um for just sharing your wisdom and for just the gift that you are to the body of Christ and to 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 myself and Devin personally as well. So really appreciate you. Um,
1: Thanks, Melissa.
0: I appreciate both of you as well. Mm. Well, God bless and good night. Um, And we are going to wrap up this show in this edition of Theology Matters with the Blues. Again, feel free to follow with us. Um, We hope this show has been a blessing to you. More shows coming of of different natures um, relating to relevant topics within Christianity. So stay tuned for more from us. And, again, we appreciate all of your support. We hope that you have a good night, and God bless you.